had a discussion with Paula Cher one day about that question, and it was really interesting. And she said, I'm spending hours on the phone. I'm doing everything by the phone. She, she said, I'm a bit old school, but I'm, and she's handling all this on the phone. Always, it's really essential. Never start a work without knowing your, your client, without setting up, or, or go to lunch, or, or have a beer. The, these are the best moment to get to know someone. It's, 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 it's going back to my first point, is how to set up a, a, a good relationship, a trustful relationship. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Studio Podcast, a show for ambitious creatives who want to learn more about creative thinking and strategic design. My name is Ilya Lobanov, I'm your host, and I'm an experienced designer and brand strategist and also founder of Studio, which is a brand agency focused on growing and elevating brands and businesses. My other passion is also passing on those skills and mindsets that I've picked up over the years, sharing the strategies and actionable real-world advice that's helped both myself as well as other creative leaders in the industry to solve bigger problems and earn more respect and ultimately become better at what they do. And so this podcast is no different. This is actually episode number 10 of season 2 of the Studio Podcast. And so after this podcast episode, there will be a short hiatus for maybe one or two weeks, after which we will be back with a bang, hopefully, um, with uh, season number three. I've already got a few guests lined up for the next season and also a few solo episodes in the works. So in today's episode, uh, which is going to wrap up our uh, season number two, the guest is Fieri Bronfall. I'm uh, still embarrassed about the fact that even though I am learning French, I have probably butchered Fieri's uh, uh, last name. So, uh, Fieri, I apologize for that. Um, Fieri is actually the founding partner and creative director of Base Design. And I'm sure you have heard and have seen Base Design's work. Uh, it's an international network of studios based in Brussels, New York, Geneva, and also the Aussie-based Melbourne. And uh, so in this chat, Fieri and I talked about the skill sets that designers should have to be successful, along with many other nuggets that he's learned over the last 30 years of running base. And the topic of the conversation was learning to say no. However, the, the key kind of big rocks that we've discussed is essentially uh, went back to the one singular truth of building relationship uh, and trusted relationships with your clients. So I hope you enjoy this episode and uh, take it away, Fieri. Hello. Good evening. Hey. Bonsoir. Bonsoir. How are you? Très bien. Très bien. Ça va bien? Yes. So, so we do this in French? No, no, no. This is this would be terrible because I, the the conversation would be very short, or it would be it would be very one sided because then I would not be able to say very much, or in fact understand many of your points. Good. Let's, Let's keep it in English. in English, unless unless you know some Russian, we can we can transition to Russian as well. No, let, let's keep to English. Let's that, that's the deal. Let's <laughs> let's do it. Like it. Wonderful. Um, I'm so glad and thrilled to have you 
Uh, today's topic is learning to say no, but um, that's a pretty, I guess, big umbrella for as to what we're actually going to be discussing. There's going to be plenty of different things falling under that. Uh, and uh, some of the large big rocks, I guess, would, um, are to do with the art of communication or the skill of communication for designers. Uh, and also, you know, interacting with clients uh, as such, whether you're a freelancer, whether you're uh, someone who is employed and work with clients face to face. Yep. So before we dive into the uh, and kind of start unpacking all of these things, I would love for you to uh, give uh, the audience a bit of an introduction about uh, uh, base design and also about yourself and uh, kind of a snapshot of your journey, if you will, so that we can get a bit of a context as to uh, you know, your vast experience and, and what uh, you contributed to the design industry so far already. Okay. Um, basically, I started BASE almost 30 years ago now. Uh, and I started uh, a school, uh, in school, uh, in the art school with uh, a couple of friends and one of my partner that 30 years later is still my partner. So I don't have a degree. I don't have a diploma. <laughs> neither of us have a diploma and we started without knowing anything about how to set a company, how to build a, a business, how to invoice the clients. So, um, you know, you, you've, you learned so many things at the art school, uh, mm. about how to design, how to do a logo, uh, how to do a poster website, but not how to, to start a business. Uh, so we, we learn everything by yourself, uh, ourselves. And during the years we, We've been very entrepreneurial and uh, and started pretty quickly to go international with friends mm. uh, in New York, in Spain, Barcelona, and Madrid. Um, and so we had up and downs. Uh, the, the, the kind of the, the early years was were very um, very dynamic, very uh, startupy uh, at the time. Uh, in the kind 90s. of experimenting and stuff. Yes. Yeah. And then, uh, and then uh, we had a big, uh, sort of big up. We at some point we had the five studios uh, with uh, New York, Brussels, Barcelona, Madrid, and Paris. But we crashed some studios because we were very lousy in management and very lousy with our people and our teams. So we we changed uh, the company. We got coach and then um, and transformed totally our company by basically focusing not so much on our clients but focusing um on our business on or on designing our own company so today we are approximately 75 people uh in um uh four cities brussels new york the the historic studios and geneva and melbourne so um and we have tremendous clients i mean we're working uh, currently for apple in the states for the moma in new york we did like the two foundation of Bob Dylan and Prince in the States and working a lot also in Paris for the three foundation, Fondation Vuitton, Fondation Yves Saint Laurent, Fondation Cartier. Uh, so we, we have a wonderful mix, I think, of um, uh, cultural client, commercial client, institution, uh, tech client. Um, so it's pretty, pretty great so far. So, um, so the big question now is how to to continue to grow and how to integrate new partners and, and the younger generation. This is where we stand today. Yeah, that's an exciting future, and then it's yeah, it's quite a, uh, an achievement already. Mm -hmm. And um, but yeah, I think it's as an entrepreneurial journey. I think uh, as you're describing, it's always those kind of moments where you you're trying something out and you pivot and you pivot and you pivot and you learn something new and you try to integrate that. 
yeah. and that's a, that's a great testament to to um to yourself and also to your partners. Um, sure. It's it's amazing that you don't have a, you mentioned you don't have a diploma because, um, I was um uh, this close to getting my design diploma in the college where I went to, and then I failed one course uh, like one module uh, which was a, a programming. Um, like it was a PHP or JavaScript programming. I don't know why they put that into my kind of art degree, you know, mm -hmm. certificate thing. But uh, I said, no, stop it. I don't need the diploma. I don't want to, to do this programming, this boring programming lessons. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, well, the, the guess the first question I would start off with is, um, uh, it wasn't something on my list of questions, but it, it's just something that uh, I would love to find out your thoughts about is, yeah. In relation to the different size of the client, um, I guess, do you see a, uh, like a vast difference between, uh, you know, being able to communicate with those people or is there uh, kind of more or less the same kind of um, level, like in terms of you being able to, you know, say no ultimately as to the topic yeah. that we were talking yeah. about? Well, first of all, the objective is not to say no to every client. Huh? <laughs> yes, yes. That, but, but, uh, no, there's, there's obviously something that um, I realized along the year. Um, you, you need to take a, a, a very uh, careful attention to uh, the potential clients. And when I say the potential client, it's not so much the project in itself, but the people across the table. You really need to build, you have to have in mind that you have to build a good relationship. Since the first minute, it's absolutely essential is to build that uh, first, um, that good relationship. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you need to set up uh, the right tone and you need to also follow your gut. You need to really follow what you feel. And this feeling that you're feeling in the first, in the first 10, 15 minutes will always be with you when you meet someone. So uh, that, that would be a first advice. If you're in front of a client and the project sounds great, everything sounds good, but you don't feel the person. You have to feel, oh, there's this thing about trust here. There's, I, don't weigh, I don't like the way he talks or something. Trust that because it's going to be there the whole time for the mm -hmm. whole work. So the question of size is, is essential. Um, usually you can say that um, when you work with a smaller structure, you will probably talk with the people that are at the head of the company, right? So that makes the thing always easier. So when you work with a bigger scale company, very uh, often, and even more if it's a big corporation, you have layer of hierarchy. And that is always a problem, always. So um, even if you are working with this big size company, I'm always now asking to talk. I need a contact with people that decides. And for mm -hmm. us at base, it's a, it's a criteria. If we cannot connect with the people that ultimately, uh, the person that ultimately will decide on the job, we don't take the job. Mm -hmm. So this is an initial question in the initial meeting. Okay, who is in charge? Who, is, who has the freedom and the autonomy on the client side to decide on what we're going to show, discuss, and build together? So this is, this is essential. So this is sometimes a reason to say no, because if you feel the hierarchy, if you feel that the person in front of you uh, is saying, oh, but uh, no, you cannot meet the big boss because, uh, but he will decide and I will show them uh, 
your design is like, mm, this is not going to be possible. And it's really an advice that you should follow strictly because uh, hierarchy will kill everything. With kill Because people are driven by fear. Already people that can decide are very, sometimes they have fear because it's their money, because it's their business. So managing clients is managing fear the whole time. So how can you manage that? It's also a question we can, we can uh, discuss if you want. Yeah, it would be pretty difficult to manage the fear if you, if you never see the person or you get to speak to them. Exactly. But if, if, if for example, if the person in front of you is saying, oh, I cannot decide and I will show to my boss, yeah. he's already in a position of fear because he's probably going to ask for several options or several things to show. Because that's also something with these people, they're not thinking in their head. They're thinking in the head of their boss. So you should avoid that at any price. Yeah, what, what a great... Um, first tip for for um so how uh, so you mentioned the kind of the first initial meeting is that mm -hmm. you established you know first yeah. of all whether you're yeah. dealing with the the decision makers yes and um and then i guess the gut feeling as well that that might be able to tell you whether or not suppose you gel yeah. uh yeah. with that person or, or with that team um yeah. in your experience have you ever been wrong when you thought mm, there's something you know a bit fishy with this person or with this uh team and then you kind of went ahead maybe with it anyway. And, and then later your opinion was changed or have you never kind of gone that far? I was wrong many times, of course. Uh, we all do mistakes. Uh, you have to, to, be, uh, to be nice with yourself. You, you're allowed to, go to do mistakes. The stupid thing is to do several times the same mistakes. So, um, uh, of course, we, we did that sometimes. Of course, sometimes we were like not that great at the beginning and it turned to be better after. Mm -hmm. um, so um, if I think that the, the best thing is to always be very sincere and seek for sincerity and honesty in that first meeting. Um, now I can, I, I, I think I take the liberty to ask every question that are important for us in, in the initial, maybe not the first meeting, but the second meeting. It's also very important to set up a framework that, that would set up on how you want to collaborate. So for example, when I start a job, I always, in, and sometimes in the first meeting, I say, please tell me everything that crosses your mind. Don't cut yourself. If you don't feel at ease with something, please tell me, be, be open. I can take everything and, and I hope you'll do the same with me. And if we do that, we can build something that go, can go very, that goes quicker because we will be honest with each other. So if you set up that as a principle to, to the relationship with the clients, some clients will, will, will be like, oh, uh, that's kind of disturbing, but I want to put them there because that's the only way to get to good work and to good and to honesty. So uh, at, when a client says, I don't feel at ease with this, or I don't like this design, I'm like, okay, great, explain why, just explain with all your heart why you don't feel at ease why you don't like this why you don't you want to do this differently i don't have a problem with that as soon as we have this this um blunt candor honesty in the in the discussion and i ask that as that as well to my team so all my designers are like that all my project managers are like that if they don't feel at ease they have to express that immediately they have to say dear clients there's something we need to rediscuss because this is not the way we like to work. This is, we would, would like to transform that. Are you open to discuss it? And, um, and most of the time it goes well because, because people are not 
they're not used to that. They're, there's a lot of meetings, business meetings, a bit like a theater where each one has a play, play a role. But if you can break that slowly and nicely, then everything opens up. Uh, it's like magic. It's, it's, it can really be, turn it into a very, um, either a very nice flow, or, but very uh, demanding also. I have some of my clients where the, the, the relationship is excellent, but super demanding, where sometimes mm -hmm. they say, no, not enough, I want more. And so we're excited to, and we excite each other, which is, which is the best for a designer when your client is, is part of the creative discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, it sounds a little bit like um, I was, as you were describing this kind of relationship, I was thinking that it's not dissimilar to, you know, when you're in a romantic relationship, say with your wife or your partner, your husband, it's, well, I tend to think that it's always better to voice your concerns because otherwise, if you kind of keep that inside, you might sit there for 10 years, you know, um, and then without revealing this issue, which is going to be building and building and building. And that's not to say that with a client, you might have to, you know, deal with them for 10 years, but, you know, it's still something that's going to kind of um, chip away at your relationship in the background yeah. without you even knowing it. And then all of a sudden at the end, they kind of get, give you this big, um, like I hate this or, you know, and like, yeah. where did this come from? It came yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah, it's, it's exactly that. It's, it's a relationship. So it's, it's like a relationship with, friends of other people and the relationship can go very well and then be more difficult for some reason uh so th there's there's many things that can that can influence uh, a relationship so yeah it's, it's exactly that so with that in mind then uh, you've mentioned that uh, kind of really uh, giving them the permission i suppose to, to be open and to, to you know pretty much be frank as to what yeah. Uh, yeah. to speak yeah. what they feel yeah. and that's that's a great uh, platform, I suppose, for both of you then to, to as you say, to be uh, completely honest and then get to those um, decisions that need to be made quicker, you know, um, because they kind of just voice them straight away without, uh, like I know in my experience and sometimes in designs that have gone uh, sour, sometimes we'll go through four or five different design revisions only to, you know, and they kind of, yeah, yeah, we're kind of happy. I just changed this bit. And then, yeah, yeah, we're almost there. Just changed this bit. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at the end, then they just kind of have a completely 180 because they say, no, we completely hate it. And that's because probably of this reason why they haven't been honest, you know, from the outset. Yeah. Uh, you were trying to just polish um, a turd, as they say in Australia, or um, put lipstick on a, on a pig or something, you know, when, when they should have been honest at the outset. So what... What if you are dealing with a client who's maybe not prepared to be that frank or how should I say, um, how do you put them at ease other than just saying, well, look, this is the, uh, how we deal with, with the clients. Is there any yeah. particular things that you'll do, you know, as the relationship progresses? Is there any particular processes? Yeah. yeah I think, I think that you have to have another thing very important in mind. Uh, if they are calling you and they're ready to pay you, it's to do something that they cannot do themselves. It sounds stupid, but it's important because I heard uh, and I hear so many times designer complaining about their clients, right? This is mm -hmm. what we do in life, designers. We design half of the time and the other half of the time we complain about our clients, right? That's the thing we do. So I'm totally against that because mm -hmm. you have the clients that you deserve always. So if there is something wrong about your client, deal about do something about it you cannot just be eh, my, my client is an asshole and he's, he's stupid doesn't get it 
Of course, he doesn't get it. He's not a designer. He's not a, a brand specialist. So you have to explain exactly. And that's also very super important. Something you have to do in the initial meetings is to explain how it's going to happen. What will mm -hmm. happen? That, the, the rules of the game. This is how we're going to do it. So just explain and explain again and explain again and again. This is how we do it. This is, this is where I need your input. This is where it's our part. Trust us here, you know, because I don't want or need a, a, a client that is um, discussing design decisions like, yes, but the typeface, I would love a serif here. Or, uh, this is not interesting. They should trust us on the design. I can explain every decision. We can explain our design decision. But he has to be, if he doesn't feel it well, if he doesn't understand, then we have to explain. And then we have to be teachers. And this, this is really important to explain why we believe in it's a good decision. And also explain that the solution that we're bringing is not the solution, it's our solution. I'm sure that if the same client comes to you or comes to me, the, your answer will be different than mine. That makes total sense. So the client needs to understand that if he comes to base, he will have a base solution. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I will be behind that, this, that solution, that proposal. I will be excited. I will be like 100% behind it. And he has, he has to trust me that I will go 100%. We cannot be designer going like halfway, you know, oh, my, my client is stupid. Just, yeah, I'm just giving stuff. No, we have, to be, we have to be good. We have to deliver. And if he doesn't understand or it, it's not at ease, it's on us to explain. It's on us to take time. For example, every presentation at base is like a story. It's like, because it's, it's like to tell a story to a six-year-old kid. It has to understand how we think, for example, how we build that, how we did that, why we did that. It's a whole story on how to, hmm. the, the journey of a job is, is uh, I always, uh, lately I'm doing that more and more and it's giving tremendous good results. We show everything, all the studies, all the things like, and this was so bad that we decided to change our idea. And said, so we even showing crap to explain where our mind was during that creative mm -hmm. journey. And for them, it's, 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 it's crazy because they, they never see that. They never, they never been with a designer before, so they don't know that. So they're amazed by that because it's new to them. And so they understand how we think which is extremely important. They, they need to understand how we think through things and through people. Yeah, there's, um, there's definitely a lot of uh, clarity that you're providing when you're talking about your process and, and you're showing them how, um, how you will go through each step and then what, what is expected of them and what they can expect from you. That's, I mean, I think that's vital, isn't it, for, for any kind of, um, especially for a creative process because... Yeah. As you say, the clients, they, they either don't know how to do something or even if they do, they, they'd rather not, you know, they'd rather someone pay uh, someone to do that for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, oftentimes they don't know. So, so they, they have that uncertainty about something. So yeah. like if I go, I don't know if I'm, say I've never done a haircut because my mom's been, you know, cutting my hair for 20 years and I go all of a sudden to a hairdresser. I don't know what to tell them. Like the when asked me, what, what, how do you like it? I'm like, well, just the same as I always do, but they, they don't know any of that. But I as don't you know can see, I don't have the problem with my addresser. It's solved forever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is, I, I'm, I'm been blessed. Let's say I've been blessed. <laughs> <laughs> 
but you never know this in the future this could change and and uh, could join the club I've, you know okay. i've had uh, many i've worked with many people and had many friends who uh they they have the same joke like you, you know they, they say i never have this haircut problem no um so the the clarity of processes is really important for and to put them um or give them certainty into into the processes so that they know um what's going to happen because i, I feel like that's definitely a big um downfall mm-hmm. is if they have that you know lack of certainty as to what's going to happen because i think that takes us back to that uh, initial point that you made, it takes them back to that place of fear because they're yeah. fearing that something unexpected might happen, yeah. something bad might happen, uh, their money might be wasted or, you know, they get yeah. a bad solution or whatever it is, right? Yeah. And so so maybe, could we maybe then uh, pivot to that fear and talk a little bit about that fear that clients experience mm-hmm. and maybe on the flip side as to us as creatives, what kind of fears maybe prevent us uh when, when we're dealing with clients you know what could be the fears on, on the two different sides yeah. perhaps yeah 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 the, the um, i think i think you're right on the client side there's a lot about uh am i am i spending the money where i should uh that's that's a big one um will this project still be mine or will this designer will take that project and make them ours so that's why the sharing part is also very important um of course, on their side, there's also this all this idea of um, they don't want to be surprised. Uh, surprise is what they hate the most. Uh, if if we set up a contract and then you say after two months, oh, but this was not in a contract, we should add this and add that. So that's why at base, we take a long time discussing be, be, before set, setting up a contract. We need to, mm-hmm. to be sure that we're uh, th- that because the contract if this, if something goes bad, or if there's some difficulties, the clients and you will always go back to the deal, to the initial deal. So it's extremely important that this. So it's a, it's an important advice. It just really take time to to outline that the best way uh, possible. Um, another thing that we do is actually when you you, you give them a budget, for example. Um, don't uh, of course it can be like a big budget with several faces but what i do al- always is that you know what you just this this for example four faces for a big branding project but i'm always saying you uh, commit to the first phase if if you don't feel at ease leave us mm-hmm. after first phase if we, if we do first a uh, phase two if you don't feel at ease you can always leave us leave us at any time because you need to know that you still be at ease. I don't want to, to tie them in, in contract where they're like, oh, I don't feel well, but I want to get away from this. And no, I don't want to do that. I want mm-hmm. them to always feel that I am and we are an added value. If they feel that, they will go all faces. No problem. So it's nice to tell them you're free to decide to not continue if you don't feel at ease with us. So that's also uh, it's 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 also something that that helps the client to be at ease. Also, regarding fears on on our sides, um, yeah, um, I think um, there's always this um, dream places for designer. For example, a lot of designers. Oh, I want to work in culture. I want to do poster for museums. I want you know there's this these kind of icons things that they want to achieve. And hmm. sometimes it's not possible. <laughs> sometimes it's just not there. So, so um, 
yeah, there's this this fear or or of being annoyed or being not listened. So uh, a designer that is not listened by by his uh, clients or, or or by me even uh, this is super important. So listening is extremely important. So um, I think um, another fear for many designers in 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 the business also is to be left alone. Uh, and sometimes it happens, you know. There's so many things happening in the studio and then you see a designer that goes like, uh, 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 because he's alone on a job for too long and he's run out of energy, run out of fresh air, run out of teammates to exchange. <laughs> and that's why at BASE, we always have more than one people on a project. It's always a team. It's always, mm -hmm. and, and sometimes that's the crazy thing is that sometimes instead of putting two people, you just say, okay, you know what? We, we're gonna take six people. And we put them, these six people, for three days in that room, and then everything happens so quickly. But you have to put different personalities, different skills together, and and that that is magic. It it this with me. I'm like when I see the room and when I see my team, for example, on a project, and uh, and sometimes I'm like, okay, the presentation is in three days. How are you? And then I see them like, we don't know. We don't have it yet. Like, but are you confident? Yeah, 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 we'll have it. Okay, are you sure in three days? Yeah, sure, no problem. And I can leave the room, I'm confident because they're confident. They don't have anything yet. It's still in the whole process. They don't have found out the solution, but they're good and I trust them. So trust make them good. And, and three days later, I have a great presentation. I have no, no problems anymore with that, which is, which is also, um, I think, leading to the last point, uh, designer, they need trust all the time, no matter what. They need, they need to feel trust. So it's, um, if the client cannot give it, you have to give it to your team. You have to give it that to, to the people you work with. So what would the advice then would you give then maybe a soul of freelancers, you know, who are on their own, who are working with the client and, um, then they are on their own and, and then where do they get that trust? How do they try to, to get that trust? You know, what, what steps maybe can they make to, to try and gather that for, for themselves? Um, my main advice is that, my, my main comment, first of all, would be, I don't understand you. Why do you want to work alone? That's my, my initial response. Uh, because I was never able to work alone. I'm, 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 I'm lousy when I'm working alone, when I'm alone in a room, I'm like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not, I'm not teased. I think for me, design is ping pong. I need, I need at least another person on the other side of the table. I need people to confront my idea. I need people to crit criticize what I'm doing or what we are doing. I think that's the beauty of a studio like base is that whenever you do something, we do reviews all the times. And sometimes we do review with people that not even in the project that are from another, that, okay, come, come over for half an hour. What do you see? What do you understand? Hmm. I don't understand it, guys. It's, what, what is that? So if someone that is not in the project doesn't understand what you're doing, you already have a problem. So then when you, so, to, so for people that are working alone, my, my, my advice would be, don't, <laughs> don't work alone. That, that's my main advice. At least put yourself, maybe you can have your own clan, but put yourself in a, 
co-working space or share space with others. I mean, so much fun. It's 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 the best part. Uh, actually, I have I have to say I don't really understand people who are working alone, but that's me. Um, maybe they would tell me, "No, it's great because I can do whatever I want, and it's nice too." But I I, I don't. I, it's not for me. Hmm. So the designers then, uh, just going back to the trust, um, you know, for designers, we have that fear perhaps that we want to, for clients to trust us. And that can sometimes come from that space of, I guess, attaching yourself to your work. And then um, also, you know, when you're presenting work, you kind of expect your your client to um, to agree with you, let's say, you know, yeah. as a designer. So. Yeah. And you've mentioned earlier that you you also have that simultaneously also have that open communication. So if they if they don't uh, like something or if they don't feel right about something, they can voice it. So I guess how yeah. as a designer, as a creative, how do you balance those two together? Um, mm -hmm. In your opinion, I think uh, uh, of course there are uh, when I mean what we do is presentation, right? We do we present. Um, there's many ways. Uh, first of all, uh, there's uh, inclusion. You have to include the client in the process. Um, we at base we see every client as a partner, not as something you have to work for, but someone you, you have to work with. So you explain that since the beginning. There's something I say to all my clients, and in the first meeting is, is saying, "Okay, this job." is a moment of change for your company, obviously, right? It's always a moment of change. So it's gonna, it's gonna be difficult on you much more than for us. And you will have to work even more than us because it's transforming who you are mm -hmm. and, and your company. So um, we invite them, uh, which is something I think a lot of studios are doing into inclusive workshops where they can voice their things that we, we elaborate uh, strategic workshops with them. Uh, we elaborate on the vision, we elaborate on, on uh, also, uh, we try to find, this is something very interesting also, we shared of what are their own references. When they say, I like something, I like that, uh, what is it, why? So we have also kind of a visual board where we can understand what are their reference. So. It's obviously way easier, and that's also another criteria uh, at base, is what we call the cultural fit. Mm -hmm. You need to, to understand very quickly if when you say, when you give a reference or when they give you a reference that you understand what we mean. It's basically, do we share the same language? Do we talk about the same things? Doesn't mean that we are from the same world because you can work for a business in tech or an opera or, or, or a fashion company, but at least when you talk, you need to talk to talk the same language. And and in and this is also very important to to explain that you you need that to work well and and mm. just to share also about that. So um, so these sessions that we do at the beginning is are also very important because then we have a document that we call we call it the the compass where we have all these concepts on the compass and they have created with us. Mm -hmm. So they cannot say, I never said that because you I can say, yes, you did. You remember you were in the room and you said that we put that on paper. So we have a, a common document that it's, uh, you have the initial contract that is the, the financial contract and stuff, but that is the secondary contract is that we built the foundation together 
And we will always go back to that foundation that we've built together to align on the compass and on the direction the project we take. And this is very reassuring for them because they know that we are on the same page. We're building to, in the same direction. And this, this is really working well. So, um, of course, sometimes in those moments, we have to manage egos on the client side because sometimes a CEO can be, or, uh, can be a bit overwhelming over their team. So you have to explain at the beginning of these sessions that it's important that everybody's gonna have the same time to talk. Everybody has to talk. So all these things are working pretty well. So we have all these techniques that are, are almost um, psychological techniques to have everywhere. It's, it's group session. It's group therapy almost, which I love. It's, it's really interesting. And from there, you can, you can almost, if, if the, the, the other side are open to that, you can almost do, you, you, you're free to design then from there. It's, it's going very well, very um, usually. I see there's a, a fellow Belgium in the um, in the comments here. Steph Hamelink, good to see you. Um, there's actually, there's a, quite a few people from Belgium who are very impressed that um, I was talking to you. <laughs> yeah, Belgium is a, is a small country full of, of very clever people. <laughs> yes, yes it is. There, were, there was actually a question, well not a question so much, it was just more of a joke uh, in the chat where we had they were asking, are Russians better uh, as designers or Belgians? And I was like, I reckon Belgians, because in Russia, I don't, I don't... know. I... <laughs> I mean, we had a Russian designer for a year at base here in Brussels. It was amazing. Uh, so I don't know. I don't think we, we could say Russians or French or Swiss, but, but definitely there is culture behind it, nevertheless. Uh, a Swiss designer has a different background than a French designer or an English designer. It's it's different culture, which makes the, the, the work amazing also. Yeah, the more you mix the, that, the more interesting it is, obviously. Yeah, and I think that's that's probably the reason why I've, I've always loved working with, um, well, I've lived in Australia for 20 years and I've loved working with Australian designers who there was always a mix of people. Uh, like, yeah. as you probably know, I don't know the kind of the lineup of people who work in Melbourne, but I suspect that a lot of them have different cultural backgrounds, uh, the people that work there. Because I know like, for example, in Brisbane and Melbourne, there's a lot of people from, you know, yeah. maybe Indonesia or uh, yeah. you know, Japan or wherever. So they have uh, those different cultural backgrounds, which definitely uh, influence the way that they design as well and the way that, um, but uh, yeah, I really like your point about that, that putting that frame of reference with the client when you're having the, those discussions at the beginning. I, I remember Paul, Paula Cher talking about mm -hmm. that as well in one of her yep. interviews. She sets that up and do we really understand each other as to, you know, we're talking about modernism or yeah. modern. Does that mean the same thing to you that it means to me? And it's definitely a great way to, yeah, like you say, to have that same dictionary to, you know, to refer to. So to make sure that you actually, the words might be the same. I had a discussion with, with her, with Paula Cher one day about that question. And it was really interesting. And she said, I'm spending hours on the phone. I'm doing everything by the phone. She, she said, I'm a bit old school, but I'm, and she's handling all this on the phone always. And she said, I'm spending hours doing that on the phone. It's, 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 it's true. It's, it's really essential. Never start a work without knowing your, your client, without setting up or, or go to lunch or, or have a beer. It's the, the, these are the best moment to get to know someone. 
is not an, in a formal meeting only. Just get out, get a beer. I mean, after COVID, but but really, like uh, uh, doing these things are. It's 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 going back to my first point. Is is how to set up a, a, a good relationship, a trustful relationship. Hmm. So uh, while we're at. Uh, we were talking about the kind of the setup of the, you know, that frame of reference. And then to me, when you were describing that, that also sounded a lot like what I tend to describe strategy or, you know, mm -hmm, talking mm -hmm. about something yeah. strategic. So I'm yeah. just wondering at base, um, how, would you describe yourself as a, a strategic agency, like a, the, or someone that does brand strategy, or do you just, you know, create strategic work? Uh, because I, I know that you might have a slightly interesting opinion on this. The, my opinion on that, and I think it's shared uh, inside base, is that um, although we have people that we call strategists and we have others that call designers, I never liked that, uh, actually. Um, I think what we do is really mixing the two all together all the time. So. Um, if you have a strategist, he has to work with the designer and the designer has to work with the strategist. And you know what? Just bring a digital guy in the room. And you know what? Bring a writer as well. It will be better. And this is how we do it. It's, mm -hmm. it's because at the end of the day, um, if, if you do it like a little train where you have all the wagons and you do, first we do strategy. Mm -hmm. And then the strategist hands out the strategy to the creative. Oh, and then the creative... We'll, we'll start and design, and then it will hand out to a, to a digital guy. It's bad. I mean, it's, it's not the way to, to work anymore. We, we, it's, it's really about, I think, it, I, I, I believe a lot in the, in, the, um, in the gut feeling and the conviction that we had at the beginning. And then you have to transform that into a story, a story that we like, that mm -hmm. we feel is right. So this is how we, this is, that's why I'm so obsessed with movies and cinema and, and a lot of people at base are, it's because a good strategy presentation is, should be a fucking great story to watch. I mean, what are we going to do? This is how it's going to unfold. And, and, it's, and, and it, so um, we're definitely not doing strategy with market analysis and all that, that, and all that, because I don't believe in that simply as we don't do that. What we do is basically starting from the inside, from the client side, from, from what they're saying, what they want to become. And, uh, and we believe in that. If, if today there's so many brands, there's so many products, there's, there's so many, and, and everybody's uh, connected. And so the only way is to get to your own personality. And that's why I'm, we're always saying at base, brands are like people. You remember people that have a strong personality uh, or have a strange face or a strange thing or a strange way to talk or so um, it's funny because sometimes we try to ask it ask them because they say oh we want to be this and dynamic and that and like okay not interested tell me what are or your main defaults what are your problems what what where does it hurt what are the, the what are the things that people are telling you that that you don't like and then we start to discuss about interesting things. It's, it's really about that. And, 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 and so um, we build strategy by putting these people together. And, uh, and that's why also our strategy, that's why uh, very often I, I, uh, we, we have also a writer in, in the team uh, doing that. Because already the way you express the strategy, it has to be with words and image, images. Mm -hmm. And if you're working for a fashion company or if you're working for a tech company, the tone on how you write a story 
should be adapted should be a different tone and 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 uh, and that's also it's so the style of the strategy this the, the way you you do tell that story with a certain style we define who is also part of the strategy so um we take good care of that it's really important at base and um, and finally um of course there is strategic thinking across everything we, uh, of course what we're doing because we have to and it's the only it, it, it has to we cannot design for the sake of design we have to have a you know framework but um but at the end of the day, what I like, and, and we do decks of presentation of strategy, but at the end of the day, there's always one document. There's a one pager, one sheet of paper, and the whole strategy must be summarized in there. Mm -hmm. okay. Because the strategy, if it's a deck of 120 pages, the client will say, oh, this is great, it's so clever, <laughs> thank you, Bayes, this is awesome. And then it will, they will put that on their computer and somewhere, and they'll be like, I don't know what to do with that. You know, so so the thing is that my advice is really always to summarize the strategy on one pager and tell the client, client, this is not a strategy. This is a tool to grow. So now use this every day. So you put it aside of your computer. That's your Dean A4, the one pager with mm -hmm. the strategy. Use it as a filter for everything you do. And the, the, the clients that are doing that are growing twice as fast. They're, boof, they're just going super fast because they understand that the strategy is helping them on an everyday basis. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I was actually, um, I love that one pager uh, hmm. idea because yeah, like you say, a lot of brand strategy documents, you know, that um, uh, I tend to see or have heard about is like multiple, you know, pages and pages and pages of stuff and then, I was actually watching a, a YouTube video someone sent me today uh, by Mark Ritson. He's um, kind of a marketer professor and he was talking about positioning for how mm -hmm. the strategy mm -hmm. leads to positioning. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that basically the most succinct, the, the, the best, because if you have like these values and you have this, um, you know, the, the mission statement and the purpose statement and then secondary values and, and all this kind of stuff is just like, you, how do you, then narrow anything down when you're creating it. Like you don't know if you give no. this piece of information to one agency, they're going to do something completely different than you know another one. But if you have something very succinct, you know, like something that fits on a page or in a yeah. few words as possible, then yeah. that's a much more clearer message. And, and yeah. I really enjoy that analogy. And exactly. And I love that how you you say that involving everyone in the room, uh, you know, those kind of people uh, all at the same time rather than the the train. Yeah. I was just thinking like, the, you know, the pass, the baton, like the, you know, Olympic games, they have that one yeah. person runs and then they pass it on. And then basically that's, if one person out of the four or, you know, however many people there are, if one person out of the four falls, that basically yeah. the whole team's failed, right? It's just, yeah. it's one chain in the, in the things failed, then that's it, you know, but if you're working as a team, then you can sort of, sort of work uh, out any issues together as a, as a team. It's, I think that's a brilliant way to approach it. It, um, it it's super important. It's also sometimes people uh, they can can get tired or get lost uh, in the project. We all know that and can be difficult. And and if you set up and for that um, our processes are very are very strict. So um, it's you can invent whatever you want. But for example, there is uh, when we prepare a, a first strategy, there's. Um, uh, rendezvous meetings, uh, for example, at least three along the week. So um, they're sure that in that meeting, 
the team will gather, the project manager, I will be there and we can put everything on the table. And, um, and my, my, there's always initial question I ask. My initial question is like, how do you feel? Do you like what we have? Do you like what you have? And if they say, no, okay, fine. Why, Why? what is it that you don't, it's really important to, to know how they feel. If, they, if they're like, oh, we feel great because we feel there's something great here. It's, it's also an indication. So it's all, I'm always checking my team before I checking the work. I'm, I'm always trying to feel how they are. If, they, if they're saying, I'm totally lost, but, but I'm, I'm cool. I think I'm gonna get there, it's fine. Then I'm, it's fine. But um, so the, 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 I'm always very sensitive to the feeling in the room with that team. I, you can feel a team that is down and it's like the, the energy is low. Okay, then we need to act upon that. Then, okay, we're lost, we're nowhere. Okay, who has an idea to bounce back now? What do we do now? And, and you have to, and again, even in those moments where it's difficult, I trust them. I trust them and, 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 it, and it works. It is, my life is pretty easy actually now. Uh, I was way more stressed when I was younger. Now it's, I mean, it, it's when you get into this trustful feeling with everyone, they can, they, they all feel that and the client as well. So what can actually go wrong? Is it that bad? We, we don't, we won't kill anyone. There's no, there's not going to be any dead people along the way. It's just about the brand and colors and logotypes and, and stories and website. Let's have fun. Let's do, let's take the best of it. And when you get that, it's great. It's really, uh, it can bounce back very quickly. Hmm. That's sort of almost answers uh, the comment, uh, the question in the comments there by Steph as well, I think, because he's, he was asking your thoughts on branding in general. Does, do you still think that brands are becoming increasingly similar? Yeah, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good question of Steph, of course. And there's this big discussion now all around when we see uh, all these logotypes that are uh, looking the same, mm. all these big brands that are changing their, 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 their names or logotypes to, uh, you know, hard uh, 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 sans serif uh, logotypes. Yeah. Those and, brands and, in fashion, they, they do yeah, that yeah, a yeah. lot. So yeah. I, 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 me, I, I wrote an article, uh, I think it was two or three years ago, called uh, Blending. It was not mm. branding anymore, it's oh, blending. Yes. And, uh, and, uh, and for me, the question was not so much about the logo type, because it's always, there always been like trends in design and, and, you know, in the sixties, there was all the logos were done in Helvetica and there was this mm -hmm. icon and, and it was, there was, but most of all, what, what scared me and still scares me is the lack of personality is, is the fact that I don't really care if the logo is Helvetica, uh, on black on a white background, if the rest has a, as a point of view. And I, and when I think I'm, I'm, start to miss now is is the, basically the brands that are succeeding is not so much a question about logo types of colors is do they have a point of view do they bring something to the table and do they do it with full honesty and integrity so and, and that's very difficult now when you work in branding because no matter the brand when you go there they have seen the simon sinek speech they have seen the strategic board and thing so they they always they say yeah we are authentic for example i'm like no you're not nobody is it's what 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 is that you know the, the, all these things you have to 
you have to cut the bullshit. And I think, <laughs> uh, and I think that's one of the main thing I'm doing of my days is cut the crap and cut the bullshit in meetings. Um, I remember I, I, has, I had a, a, an anecdote um, years ago. I was working for a phone company, mobile phone company here in Belgium. And we were really at a high level with the whole communication team and stuff. And they were saying, one of our value is transparency. Mm-hmm. I was like, of course it is. You know, yeah. Of course it is. And I was like, oh, you're transparent. Okay, can I see an invoice? <laughs> Bring me an invoice. And then and, and they were like, what? Yeah. So they get an invoice and you have this invoice and you have at the bottom, you know, this text in super small letters like this, you cannot, which all the legal shit mm-hmm. and protection that they have. It's like, what is that? I said, and I said, yeah, but this is, we have to, I'm like, you're not transparent. This is the invoice. This is the contract you have with your customers. So either you take it away or you put it in big letters at the back, but you cannot do this if you're transparent. So there was a big silence in the room because it's easy to say we're transparent. It's extremely and almost impossible to be. So, so all these things, I think it's a work as, as branders and as designers to, when you don't believe something in a meeting, when you have all these words that are so empty today, like, uh, you know, authenticity, dynamism, all these things that keep on coming. It's like, no, not interested. Mm, no, we have to dig deeper than that. And that's where it gets interesting. And, and if your clients are open to do that, then the work will, will become really interesting. So to fight this sea of sameness in branding that is also linked to other reasons, uh, it's obviously linked to digital, it, it's, it's linked to, to that, to, to, uh, um, to the omni-channel, uh, omnichannel, the fact that uh, the brand has to behave equally on a, on a board in the street or on the phone. And, but there's new ways to be invented every day, even in that environment. And, um, and, 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 and some brands are, do the, uh, are doing that very well. So it is possible. Yeah. It's, 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 it's funny. Those, uh, the values that you were talking about, it's literally every, almost every single company that I deal with. And I'm sure all, many of us, they say we're transparent, we are authentic, you know, we, we are purpose driven. And, and like we're honest and professional I'm like well yeah of course they, we kind of expect most of those things from most brands nowadays you know and, and it's not something that differentiates you no and, uh, so what i do when they say that i'm like okay okay prove it to me i ask them just prove it just tell me what you do to be transparent well, what are you doing now that that proves that and i'm saying uh when i say that i'm saying it's not enough because every company i'm, I'm meeting i'm saying that so i mm. Do we have anything else? Because that's not enough to start a work. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm just mindful of, of the uh, questions in the box because I, I'd like to keep this conversation to an hour, even though I'd, li- I'd love to go for longer. But yeah. uh, I have, there's heaps of questions that I've still yet to ask of my own, but I've promised everyone that I will get to the questions and I'll start with the easy ones. Uh, this may or may not have an answer for this. Um, is favorite font of 2020 i don't know if you have maybe if, uh, maybe something not from 2020 maybe from the past okay i have an answer uh it's the base grotesque it's the new typeface we designed for ourselves just uh was nice. two months ago <laughs> great great plug too <laughs> no but but i think that the, the, that was great also to to 
to have the discussion about designing our own font at base. Oh man, what a, what a debate internally. It was great because we, and we put an international uh, transversal team to do it. One designer from New York, one designer from Brussels, one designer from Geneva. It was a whole, a whole fight, but they came up with a great solution at the end of the day. It was great. And, but I think I, I, I don't have like a fun that I love above others. It's always in function of the concept. Uh, it's, 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 I mean, any font is good if, if it has meaning, if it's, if it has if a it reason. It the there. right message yeah, as well. Exactly. Yeah. Even There's a font, a we have, we have a manifesto at base and, and uh, I think it's point number eight that says there's no good taste or bad taste. And this is important because sometimes we designer, oh no, you can't do that. Oh no, there's that, this, you know, and sometimes I like to kick in the balls of these things. Like, no, this wrong, weird typeface is maybe the right choice to communicate that. I think we don't have to forget that we're designers, but we are uh, communicators. So, um, so that's why. Thank you for that answer. I'll, I'll have to check out that font myself. Sure. Uh, now, let me see another question here. Um, we've answered this one already, so I'll just skip this one. Uh, so how we, do you implement strategy? We've already mm -hmm. addressed that. Yeah. And finally, a uh, question from Jaspriya Sahmey. What advice would you give designers who are working on personal projects whilst they wait for a full-time opportunity? Um, I don't really understand the question. Like personal projects, uh, sites for project for clients, is that it? Uh, like the... I, yeah, I think it's uh, what she's asking is, um, I guess maybe if you are unemployed, let's say, and you're looking for work, yeah. um, I, I, this is how I'm reading this question personally. So if you're waiting for a work or you're trying to get hired, um, what kind of advice would you give to people if they you know, have no projects to, to work or show uh, in a portfolio? So can they kind of go and uh, start putting something that's self-initiated uh, to be able to show something in the portfolio? I, I think it has a lot to do. If you don't have work and looking for work, I think you, you should spend all your time getting work. I mean, <laughs> the reality. So, um, but doing work to get work is sometimes a solution. So um, uh, you, you can, um, you, you should identify who you want to work with, uh, what, what you can bring to them. But again, uh, I think I wouldn't advise, for example, to design something for a client that you never met and just saying, hey, I love you and I did this for you, hire me. You know, it will not work. I, there's no, because again, it goes back to the relationship question. So I think it's at the end of the day, I think the most important thing uh, as designers also is how do you want to spend your day, right? I mean, it's a work, it's our daily work. How, how do you, do I want to spend that day alone? Do I want to spend it with a team? Do I want to spend it uh, working with a client? What do I want to do? Design, not design, illustrate, do strategy. And, uh, and, and you have to be doing what you do best the whole time. For example, I was never a good business developer, never. Mm -hmm. But my partner was, and very at the beginning we were doing a bit of everything together. But very quickly, I we kind of understood that you are better at that, and I'm better at that. Let's divide the work the best way. Let's be clever, and that's also something. Years later, today, sometimes when we have a meeting, and we, for example, we're meeting about a digital project, 
I'm not a specialist in digital. I'm, no, I'm too old. I'm old fashioned to that. So when we start the meeting, I'm not the boss anymore. Is this young girl that is 25 years old, developer at base, she's the boss. And I'm, listen to her. She's leading the meeting. And she knows, she's pre she, she knows at base, she will be leading that meeting. So, so she's prepared, she's, she's on top of things and she will teach me things. So that's how I see things. There's no, we're very flat, we're very horizontal. So it's how you, you, you want to, to spend your days. And, and I think, and, and the, the most important thing is you want to keep on learning. So, so how do you learn? Uh, so, um, so as an advice for the, those people that are seeking for work is, um, how you want to work and with who. So if you identify a company, I want to work with them, just prepare stuff and prepare work in function as that and go for it. Just don't let like, just does not accept a no for an answer. Right? So it's just, uh, just go for it. I mean, I, I sometimes hired people that the portfolio was not that great, you know, mm -hmm. but they were like, they were dying to work with us. They were like, I w they, they were, f made me feel that they were really about us and understanding the company. So I took them and mm -hmm. they, they became great designers. So it's, it's a lot about, about this uh, initial gut feeling and motivation that you have that should drive you. For example, uh, I hate when, uh, when young people are showing their portfolio basically saying, oh, I can do a bit of everything. What do you like? Do you like a bit of spaghetti, a bit of, of, of cake and a bit of thing? No, if they come at base, they should know what to show me. They should identify, they should, and I'm all, always asking the same question. What is your work you prefer in your portfolio and explain me why, you know? So, so all these things, it's about, again, about um, personality. It's, it's, it's a lot about that. I'm hiring more and more on, on personality and potential than on skills. Skills, there's a lot of good designer, but we need great team players. We need people that are interested in culture. We need people that are not only about things and typefaces and color, but are open to the world that, I, uh, that are able to express themselves, that are fun to listen to, like, or, or very introvert. I don't have a problem, but they have to express their own personality. That's the people we hire and pay. Great advice. I think I'm, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down, Thierry. Uh, I mean, I can attest as personally, for my personal experience, that's uh, one of my jobs happened like this, how you're describing. I was basically uh, found an agency that I really wanted to work for. Yeah. And, and it took me maybe two years um, yeah. communicating to, to the manager, the director at the time, basically you know, trying to get a job. So every time they would put some position up, I would apply for it. I would, you know, write to them. I would contact them. I would call them and speak to them. Mm -hmm. And then, and then basically from the, the first couple of times when I had, it had no answer, like, you know, no one answered back, uh, in the subsequent, uh, times when I contacted them, they said, Oh, Elia, we've seen that you've already applied and, and we really admire your persistence. And then that became, Oh, Ilya, this role that we've put up, I don't think that it's right for you, but we're actually now starting to think about the role for you. And I was like, oh, wow. Nice, you, know? you see? Yeah. Yeah, and so, so it's like it's something that developed over time. So I think it's the best advice there, just Priya, is that, yeah, basically, if you believe that you uh, found someone that you would really love to work at or with, uh, put yourself forward and then show them why you should work there, essentially. Yeah.
yeah in, in, in the best example of, of someone who should work there um so i'm afraid we don't have any more time for any more questions Okay. Um, I apologize to, to those in advance. Please send me a DM and then maybe uh, I can uh, cohort, you know, theory into uh, answering that at a later sure. stage. But I just want to say a huge thanks for, for coming here to talk to me today, uh, tonight. And um, uh, perhaps you have a final message for, for those watching or um, uh, something, maybe a plug or, um, you know, anything you'd like before we wrap up uh oh uh no i don't know um i think you should you should watch one of my favorite movie that's mm -hmm. called body double by brian palma it's a movie from the 80s body double watch okay. that movie and and it's sexy it's so 80s it's it's a wonderful scenario and it's based on all hitchcock movies at the same time so watch that movie all right, I'm going to put that on my list. My list is dwindling down of movie lists. Uh, so <laughs> okay. I have, I'll definitely need something new to add to that. Thank you for that recommendation. I really appreciate your time. And uh, I hope to, to have maybe more conversations like this in the future with you. And uh, please feel free to reach out. And for everyone else who's um, uh, joined us today on the chat, thank you for, for your time as well. And we'll see you later on. Thanks a lot. Have a great yeah, evening. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Fieri. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, so great to see that you've made it till the end of the episode and thank you so much for listening to the studio podcast. I hope you have enjoyed today's guest. This is a series of live conversations that I host on a weekly basis on my Instagram account, We Are Studio. Uh, I invite a range of creative leaders and other interesting speakers to talk about a range of topics such as creativity, mindset, branding and leadership skills. So if you'd like to catch the next conversation live, be sure to find me and follow me on Instagram. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review as it would really mean the world to me to hear your feedback. Uh, and also, it would actually help me tremendously to get the podcast heard by more ambitious creatives like yourself. Now remember, the world needs your creativity and you have the power to ignite it. I'll catch you on the next episode.